the Anfield Wrap, brought to you by High Street Solicitors, a one-stop shop for all your legal needs. Call us now on 203 1268. I know we came to an agreement in Liverpool that we weren't going to talk about the weather anymore, but my word, it's suddenly gone balmy. John, it's balmy out there. It's beautiful spring, gorgeous sky I'm looking at over the Whittle. It's come absolutely fantastic from nowhere. Uh, so we agreed not to do that. We'll, we'll pack it in again now when we were telling you how cold and damp it was. Uh, but it is that time of year again. It's that time of year. The club's accounts, boo. We've got to talk about the club's accounts, whether I like it or not. We'll do that in part one. In part two, it's that time of year again to get into this awards. Yay! We'll have Peter Guy and Yawawusu in to talk about that. It's that time of year again. Dead weekends wherein you're trying to fill your time. In part three, we'll be filling your time for you as you're driving home. Uh, talking about how much we're missing Bre- watching Brendan Rodgers' Tricky Reds this weekend and how hard it'd be for any player to come in and become one of the Tricky Reds. But the opening question comes from Andrew Nice. It's players, and he he, he said it as non-LFC and non-LFC that you've never seen play live that were before you were born, that you'd like to see. His he gave were, were, were Emlyn Hughes, Fairclough and uh, Diego Maradona. Um, I've got, I'm putting a slight spin on this. One LFC, uh, one UK-based, but not LFC, and one from abroad. Uh, Mike Gerling, um, who, who, before you, love you were spin, born... By the way. I love, you love a spin. I love yeah. a spin on an opening question. <laughs> it's almost like I'm saying to it's them... It's too easy without a spin. But it's almost like I'm saying to them, you're doing all right, yeah, but nearly, I'll just help nearly, you. Nearly, lad. Nearly. <laughs> yeah. We know Andrew, don't we? We know Andrew. Yeah, lovely fella. Yeah, so have a word, Andrew. Um <laughs> Okay, the LFC is going to be um, Billy Little. Billy Little, okay. Oh, no, okay. that was mine. It's all three of you to come with Billy everybody Little. Everybody wants to know what Billy Oh, by the way, by the way, by the way, let me introduce everyone. Mike Gerling, Andy Thornley and uh, John Gibbons. This is that, that's a big demerit in the Steve Hobson <laughs> radio, radio presenting uh, table, yeah. that one. Go on, so Mike, yours was, yours was Billy Little. Okay, and then one UK. One UK. It's, Before it's not, you were born. It's not going to go down well with a lot of reds there. It's all right. George Best. That's all right. He was good, I heard. I mean, he was all right. He was all yeah. right. I mean, for someone who didn't play for Liverpool. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, one from abroad. I'm going to say Johan Cruyff. Oh, that's a good one. That's a good one from abroad. Um, Andy Thornley, uh, what's your LFC one now that Billy Little's gone? Uh, LFC, this has put me on the spot, but I reckon it's Roger Hunt. I mean, like, you know, World Cup legends. Uh, took the place of Jimmy Greaves. I don't think anyone can really argue with that. Okay. Uh, what's, your, what's your non-LFC UK one? Non-LFC UK is, I don't know, Rude Hullet. Rude Hullet. Yeah. He was, but he, 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 sorry, but he, he's, he played, in this, in, he's played in this country in your lifetime. <laughs> yeah, I know, but... I've, Andy, you've only been on the show 10 seconds. <laughs> I've already made the biggest faux part of my uh, broadcasting <laughs> I, career. I want to stick up front of me. It's not like we got him at his peak, was it? Well, Rude Hullet, we didn't get him at his peak. <laughs> we didn't get him at his peak. <laughs> <laughs> we didn't get him at his peak, either, to be honest. Um, I'll come back to you in a second. You can have a think about that one. What's your worldwide one? Worldwide, I don't know, Eusebio. Eusebio, you see, I was going to go with Eusebio. Ah. You got Eusebio off my list. Go on, John. Right, it's okay. The Liverpool one was was obviously going to be little, so I'm going to go with Elisha Scott just because he was such a character. And also, I'm interested in what goalkeepers used to get up to in them days. Mm. Yeah. I reckon it doesn't bear any resemblance mm. whatsoever to what... No, was... Imagine Elisha Scott in this team. Imagine how much madder Brendan Rodgers <laughs> read to be if you had Elisha Scott just swearing at people, doing all sorts... Come no on. no gloves. No gloves. No. All right, then. I like that one indeed. I'd, lo- I'd love to know what he was up to. What's your UK, what's your UK one on LFC? Well, it's quite topical, but Tom Finney. Just because Tom Finney never won anything. Yeah. But everyone bangs on about him, so he must have been brilliant. Because people have a go with Gerrard because he's never won the league, but Gerrard's won loads of stuff. He's won everything else. Yeah, and people go, well, can he can he be deemed a great player if he hasn't won the league? So imagine how good Tom Finney must have been because he won nothing <laughs> and we're still talking about him. Okay, and what's your, what's your worldwide one? 
Uh, I think I'm going to go for Socrates. Socrates. I think he. I think we'll just about allow that. I think that 82 World Cup was around when you were born. All right. Uh, I'm going to go with uh, Ian St. John. He was in the 86 World Cup. Was he? Oh, Gibby. Carlos Alberto then. I love, I love him centre half in this in this team as well. Carlos Alberto and, and Elisha Scott. How do you reckon they get on? Oh, they get. Well, they probably get. They probably get on at times better than uh, better than some players have done this season. <laughs> Before we get into that, all right. Then I'm going with Ian St. John as my Liverpool player. I'd love to have seen play. Uh, just for that moment when he sort of came in and changed the team, it would have it would have intrigued me. And to see him play as a centre forward, what a centre forward is. Uh, not necessarily a number nine and not dropping into midfield either. Though we could do that as well. Um, I'm also going to. Maybe alienate some people. I'd love to have seen Alex Young play. Mm. From the way they talk about Alex Young, I'd love to have seen Alex Young play. And um, I'm going to do a push cast. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. good show. Yeah. yeah, I'm just going to do a push cast. It's, mm. it's, 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 it's I'm glad a... no one went for the obvious Maradona and Pele there. No, I, I, I sort of think you know. Firstly, Pele is a myth. Mm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> never happened. Um, well, Andrew went for Maradona as well. So didn't think. And Pele does my head in. Yeah, Pele does all about his goals in training and yeah. that. No, Pele does everyone who's got any senses head in. And getting photographed with Roy Hodgson. Who does that? No one. No one does that. Viagra and tablets as well. The Viagra tablets. And also, I've got I've got a signed picture of Pele, and it's worth nothing because he signs everything. <laughs> and he also said... And his signature's a joke. It looks like a kid's vote Pele. So, it's, it's so, so uh, yeah... He also said he was also Paul Mans. This is the Pelly backlash. We're going to do it. He's also Paul Mans Chinsarella. He also said, and I I remember this. Basically, Pelly will say whatever he thinks will please the most number of people in the room at any one time. So when when Nick Barmby was at Spurs, he said in front of a room full of English journalists something on the lines of Nick Barnby is one of the most exciting talents world football seen in many a year and I'm sorry he just wasn't he was a good player but he was never ever ever one of the most exciting talents any football seen for many a year he's also the very, new very very <laughs> so the new Nick Barnby the new Gorincha um, okay then it's nice, to, it's nice to name Nick Barnby after I've just been nice about Alec Young it uh, balances things out you don't get that sort of stuff on the blue room none, none of the lads on the blue room are sitting around going I wish I'd watched Teddy McDermott play I'll tell you that for nothing they'll probably tell you you could go and watch Young play now or just, just by looking at Rodwell oh that's indeed <laughs> okay, he's, there. Try- he's there he's reincarnated every Saturday we're trying to uh, we're, try- leaves. we're trying to get away from we're trying to get away from um, having to do the actual football but sorry the accounts but we're going to have to whether we like it or not Um Let's try and do this in a sensible-ish manner um, without going into it in too much detail, which may make the entire segment redundant, frankly, as, as you can get more detail out there if you want. There's a few things that struck me. The first one is this, and I, I, it's an intriguing thing, and it's happening everywhere, Mike. This isn't just exclusive to Liverpool, but match day revenue is now very much in third place behind media and commercial. It's very much in third place, and there's an ideological with the issue with this as much mm. as a practical financing one, mm. which is that ultimately you sort of want the football clubs to be beholden to the people who are going through the gate. Yep. But if they're now in third place, mm-hmm. what does that mean and what does that say? Yeah, it's it's an interesting question, Neil, and it's where you put how much um, how much do you put on the pound that's coming through the gate? Is that is that less important than say the same pound which you get in TV revenue? Because what I mean by that is the pound coming through the gate provides the atmosphere in the game, right? So it's very, very different. So you can't, it's not equal. So what I'm trying to say is not all pounds are equal. The pound that you get from TV rights, the pound that you get from sponsorship, the pound that you get through the gate. You can't say, well, we get, we're getting less there now. So really, where Liverpool Football Club is more about commercial sponsorship and more about TV rights than it is about the, the, the actual, the, 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 the Anfield attending fan. Because without the Anfield attending fan, there is no product. This is it. Just this, when I saw these figures, John, this is just what sort of struck at me through the absolute middle of them. Because I sort of I agree with what Mike's just said there, because that's that's me, and I'm you know I'm going to join the barricades um, in a matter of seconds. But 
FFP doesn't do that doesn't distinguish between those two things. The spending power that that puts through in terms of getting better players doesn't distinguish between those two things. I agree with Mike, but ultimately the bottom line doesn't. It's an interesting one because you can look at it in, in two ways and you can say, well, the match revenue has become so kind of insignificant that it wouldn't matter too much if, 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 we, if we charge for less tickets because other things are more important. I don't know if you've had a look. We, we were where... We're 12th, right, in the, in, the, in the world. Where do you think we... Have you, have you seen where we'd be if we got zero from match day revenue? No, where would we be if we got zero from match day revenue? 13th. So okay. we go down one place. That's Seriously? mad. Yeah. So that's mad, isn't it? So that so we could let everyone in for free all season, and we'd be the thirteenth richest club in the world. So that's you're going to cause a riot in the city. Here, that is one know. way. Of, that, that is one way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it, which is the way I'm sure the the club are looking at it, is that's the thing we need to pull up. That's the thing that's letting us mm. down. So they'll be looking at those <laughs> slightly different from me, I'm sure, and thinking healthy. They'll be looking at eleventh and not thirteenth because yeah. Man United is about a third and a third and a third. Yeah. So they're, 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 that's probably deemed by people who are, who are more important than me who are looking at these things and saying that's more healthy. That's what you kind of want. So they, they'll probably be looking at it thinking the match day is the one that we really need to get up. But it, how they do that without a new stadium is um, another thing. Uh, Andy Thornley, how do they do that without a new stadium? Well, the thing is, the, the new stadium, for me, that really underlines that we need to redevelop Anfield if that is indeed the plan. And we need to get more through, you know, at, at, as much as we hate them, the uh, commercial boxes, because they bring in a hell of a lot of money for the ground. Uh, the more capacity we have in there, the more people uh, are spending, you know, on Dunkin' Donuts or, or whatever they're buying inside the ground as well. So it all builds into basically one argument, which is we need either a new stadium, whether that is in Anfield or someone else, somewhere else. And uh, once we get that, you know, we're able to increase that proportion. I think, like sort of like like you said, the club aren't going to be looking at, you know, so oh, well, 13th, they're looking to increase that as much as possible and a stadium is integral to that. Um, <laughs> Let's not get carried away with the league table, by the way, which doesn't matter. Um, you know, it, 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 they're not going to be bothered whether they're 12th, 13th or 14th. It's about profit, not revenue. So um, I can see why it's important that we, we grow the stadium, get more people in. But at the end of the day, the club, if it, it had about 50 million debt, didn't it, which it wrote off on these accounts. Yeah. If it hasn't got that 50 million debt, even with the turnover it's got now, which you've got to think it's not going to have next year, it's very profitable. So I can understand why it's not all. It's not a must-have to have a new stadium. It's a good thing to have, but it isn't a must-have to have. Do you mean by a new if, stadium or a redeveloped? Sorry, stadium. a redeveloped stadium. So sorry, yeah. So so add another fifteen thousand is great for the fan experience. It's probably great for Liverpool as a team to play into a bigger, you know, to make Anfield even more of a fortress. Is this fantastic thing? But in terms of what that does to the club in its ability to... What do we want the club to have more money for? At the end of the day, as a fan, I'm not really bothered if it puts more money in FSG's pockets. You want it to be able to buy better players. That's all you want money for. And maybe to be able to reduce ticket prices, that's a good reason for doing it. But uh, it's about profitability, not turnover. I think that's a really good point, actually. I think we talk about the, the new stadium too much sometimes in terms of the revenue it brings. But this has kind of shown that match day revenue is coming less significant. And really, what Mike's driving out there, which which is true, is we should be looking at it. Let's get more people in the ground because, first of all, it creates a better atmosphere. Secondly, it's better for the players to play in front of that many people. But also, it allows Liverpool more Liverpool fans to connect with the club. And I think that's really important, really. And something that's often forgotten is if more people can go, then more people feel, you know, they're part of Correct. it. You can get more people around the world who yeah. are able to buy tickets and so you know we really and it really boosts us that way and that it you know leads on to commercial stuff as well well if you look if you look at the tv revenue just from the domestic game next year it's a 30 million increase 
we couldn't build a stadium big enough to give us a 30 million increase in one season. Never mind then if you add if you get into the Champions League on top of that. So well, there, there's a there's a massive boost to your turnover, regardless of another 15,000, with admittedly a lot of um, uh, business, uh, sorry, com- uh, you know, um, business type seats in there. Well, there's gonna. I mean, there's likely to be anyway in there. What, what, what was projected, which I read this week, was that Liverpool will get somewhere between ninety-two and ninety-five million for this season uh, from the broadcast payments from the Premier League, simply in part due to the much higher league placing. Mm. Liverpool are likely to finish in the fact that there are more games. That's an increase of thirty million. The other thing that I thought was, you know, the other clear way in which you get more people, you get more money through the gate, Andy, is by having more games. And you know what I mean? So therefore, you know, if you're in the Champions League, you get a couple of cup runs. And this is where I think, and this is what I've taken from these figures this week. I think a lot of this sort of it becomes quite a everything sort of comes together on this. If you if simply if the team's doing better, you're more likely to get in the Champions League. Get in the Champions League, there's more money from the telly, but you're also literally got more games. You get more money through the gate. Everything comes together. If everything comes together, it does. Success breeds success, so you're precisely right in that. But with more games, means that you need to fit more games in. Now like we're talking about, you know, which you is need to buy more players and cost money. Exactly, yeah. That's where your profit becomes. Yeah, so it costs more money, uh, wages, salary. But on top of that as well, with more games, you have to reschedule those games. And with you know, sort of uh, the media book being worth more than the you know the average fan uh, coming through the gate book, you have a look at where you know fixtures are going to be. Are we going to see more? You know, sort of. Uh, 12 o'clock kickoffs to fit in rounds other games or you know that side of things and that's really my worry with it well this is sort of where all this sort of becomes into a meeting point and this is this is what I've took from it John both both as, as a positive and as a negative you know you, you, you come onto the, the the commercial side of things and it's churlish not to praise the club for the amounts that, that that that's increased you know it would stick in the it does for some people stick in the craw but you know commercial revenue now is 47% of the club's income it was 14% 2009-10 that's a measurable significant increase not just as a percentage but also in real terms and it, it, it's worthy of doffing caps too it is it needs to be pointed out that we were performing terribly so you know they, they've had a they've had a very low bench you know, market to kind of grow from, but they have done brilliantly in in in, in terms of increasing that. And they've, and they've, and you know, I know what you're saying about it, it. Some people don't really like it, but I think they've they've managed to do it in the whole in a way that hasn't kind of rubbed you up doing the way too much. I'd also say as well that that doesn't include the recent deals, you know, the Dunkin' mm. Donuts stuff. The well. and so, the, so, so it's so it's, so it's mm. going to go up again. But it, it kind of feels like we're doing it in a in, in, in as mo- much as an organic way as you can. You know, you don't go to Anfield and, and have products shoved down your throat. I don't feel. You have a lot, a lot of men's health stuff in the toilets. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Mike Gerling, not on the men's health stuff in the toilets. We're not going back to Pele. Um, it's, you know, it is sort of the that commercial side of things. It, it, it is fascinating how on all of these fronts, it does feel as though there's just constant tensions between things. And when it relieves on one front, i.e., the team look like they're going to mm. do better at the table, mm. then there's it relieves on another front, i.e., there's there's more opportunity whether it's through the gate, through the media, through the commercial to make more money for the football club. Yeah, and so. You can see that, and they are probably maximising what they can do commercially for where we are right now. But but all fans really give a monkey about in terms of um, what commercial deals the club have, have signed up to is if it then means that we get better players on the pitch. It's all going to end up on the pitch. We don't do it just for the sake of having commercial revenue. And so what it has done, I suppose, while we've been out of the Champions League has allowed us to kind of stay at the top table-ish. It's allowed us, to, for instance, to give Suarez his deal to keep him at the club 
Whereas you can't tell me really another club without a, a, a an oil-rich oligarch who owns it who could pay those kind of wages to keep a player at a club who's not in the Champions League. So it's been it's been worthwhile in that sense for sure. Well, and this is a, a, only the top six by revenue in Deloitte's Football Money League. Um, it were all in the Champions League every year. I've got greater commercial revenue than Liverpool. Um, Liverpool in turn are better than both Chelsea and Arsenal in the area, which. You know, this is what pay, and this is this is what it comes down to. I think, isn't it, John? I think whilst you can see it on the pitch, whilst it's very, very visible week in, week out, whilst you're seeing, for instance, contracts given to the players who deserve them, whilst you're seeing big signings made, whilst you're seeing a Liverpool side that's genuinely challenging for the football league, supporters are prepared to say, you know, I'm all right with this. Totally. I mean, Mike's just hit the nail on the head completely. When when you when you're able to give Suarez two hundred grand a, a year, which was inconceivable. Two hundred got a week. Sorry, yeah, two hundred got a year. Yeah, that's... bargain. <laughs> I was getting, I was talking about Mike and I got his wage confused there. Uh, <laughs> two hundred grand a week. When 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 you're able to pay a footballer, that people you know all football fans must be able to you know to see that link and think this is because where. You know, we're we're getting this money in, and you're not able to do that. And that's inconceivable three or four years ago that we would be paying a player that. So you know, it it is because of this, and it's because we're able to do this. And when we get in the Champions League, people say we'll be able to, you know, get more of these deals. But also, I expect some of that money just to go up, just because a lot of these. I mean, other people know more about this than I do, but imagine a lot of these existing deals will be okay if we're in the Champions League, and then goes up to this. So I think some of that money will go up naturally. Players' contracts, though, you think could have a similar sort of clause oh, in or something oh. like it. Sorry, sorry, John, oh, I'm, I'm taking from one pocket to give it to the other. <laughs> There, but that's, that's, it's, that's, that's the nature of it. I mean, the, the other aspect of it as well, which came out, Andy, is there's we'll come on to the FFP stuff in a second, but that wages to turnover, it continues to fall, uh, which can only be a good thing in principle. I think every, it's the sort of thing that everyone's right behind, but it could also, if that's if that's that that, that process is continuing in that in through this season, because this these accounts only go up to uh, summer 2013, let's remember that. Um, but it could create some room the other side of a top four finish as well, maybe in order to be able to either keep people happy, keep people sweet, or grow from there better players, more money for them. Definitely. I mean, FSG have been very careful in what they've been doing, the way that they structure things. And a lot of fans, when they look at transfer fees, they forget salaries go into the budget as well. We all look at, you know, sort of a £20 million player. You forget that he's going to be on, you know, 100 grand a week or whatever, and we don't factor that in. But it does create room. And when, or if, I'm touching wood at the, t- the moment of saying this, uh, if we get the Champions League qualification... Just go when. We're a very positive on here, Andy. Go when. Yeah. Jesus, I don't know if I can do that. You know, I thought you were going to say when we built the, the extent of the stadium, not the Champions League. That's a given. Yeah. <laughs> Excellent year to hear first, didn't you? Um, but yeah, if slash when we get Champions League qualification, we are going to be looking to extend the squad because, as was said earlier, there are more games. We need a thicker, you know, sort of more coherent squad really to deal with that. Come on to the squad in a second. FFP, I think in this, it's it's interesting how, for instance, you could argue that we wouldn't be complying right now uh, if it came through, but. This FFP, from what I've read about it in the last couple of weeks or so, it appears to be full of. It's very much, and this is, I think that we the club because because the club's been been very very um, aggressive on FFP, Mike. I think that you know we sort of want want to see that match. But what's what's hit, struck me about FFP is it appears to be very much carrot orientated. There does appear to be a reluctance from UEFA at this stage to start whacking sticks out. I think that you know unless someone's if if you are going in the right direction, I think you will be called compliance. Well. I th- I think one of the interesting, well, the key thing for Liverpool is it doesn't matter to us either because you have to be in the competition to have to comply with it. So because we're not in it now, it doesn't matter what we, our accounts say right now about our about our um, ability to be in it next year. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty important, I suppose. But there's so many loopholes in it. For instance, if you've got owners like we've got who have and we and the club accounts say that they have a debt 
of 50 odd million, which was effectively a loan, an interest free loan from FSG. FSG can just say that loan, they can turn that to equity. And then? And then it's gone. It's gone. And it's all, it's all what, it's all that city have done. Yeah, you know. Well, I was going to say that the biggest, the, the most notable thing, apart from uh, looking away from Liverpool, was the PSG accounts. I mean, they, their commercial revenue now is absolutely ridiculous, and you know, it is just a con. You know, they're mm. Qatari owned, and they're getting millions and millions of pounds from the Qatari tourism fund, and you know, they're, they're now, they're now what three hundred million turnover. There's, I mean, from what one hundred and ten or something mm. like that. There's just absolutely no way that's yeah. done organically. But they'll probably get it through FFP because it's different organisations. You know, they've grown their commercial. Mm-hmm. Deals by over 100% or whatever it is, and you know, they'll probably get away with it. And Platini's son sits on the board of PSG. <laughs> well, oh, well, there we have it. Yeah. But the other thing about FFP is, uh, as well, it allows write downs against things like investing in uh, youth teams and stuff like that and the mm. facilities. So, you know, sort of we've done some of that as well. So it's not. The, the figures that we see, you know, sort of the, the, there are parts. They're not the, the pure audited figures. We, we get we get them unvarnished. There's, there's a process they have to go through to come out the other side. Yeah, exactly. And I think that that's, that, that, that's the most important. That's the thing that grabs me, John. You know, and the, the, the final thing on this is it just shows the opportunity. And it's interesting that Mike keeps re- reinforcing the idea of you want to see it on the pitch. Why do you want more people in the crowd? Because it'll impact on the pitch. We want to see everything on the pitch. But surely you'd think at this point, you know, FSG have repeatedly said that they're here at Liverpool to win. They're here to win. And therefore, they've got the richest club that is outside of the the, the Champions League. Uh, everyone else is, who's above them is consistently in it. Um, you know, it should really show the possibilities, the opportunity that that Brendan Rodgers' tricky Reds have effectively opened up for them this season, going into the next one, two, three years, is suddenly you know you've been they've been able to straighten things out in one direction. Liverpool have got these this crop of youth, uh, this young players, some of them on loan, some of them at the football club, about to break through. You know, there's so much that could be done very, very quickly. There is, I mean, you look at the top 20 and anyone looking outside, I think Liverpool's that real potential club and Liverpool's the one, you know, they could jump up to seven or six in that league and Mike's quite right to say, you know, who who kind of cares in that sense, that's not what you want to be, European champions. But, you know, we saw it in the summer, we went up to Australia and, you know, there's 90,000 people in the, in the MCG to watch Liverpool and, it, you know, it's we, we are just a phenomenally huge club and everyone's just waiting for this point where, you know, we're... We're winning trophies and we're winning leagues, and when that does happen, I think you know we are in a great position to really capitalise from that. And we're not going to be a club that just sort of does quite well for one season and then drifts away. You know, we're really in a fantastic place. You know, with the age of our squad, with the with the abilities of the manager, and everyone just feels like it's growing. And well, I'm excited. Do I look, do I seem excited? You seem very excited, Andy. Are you excited? Well, one thing that came out of the accounts that I noticed is one of the boards of directors earned over a million pounds, and we've could be anyone that could be no, anyone. He hasn't been named. As hasn't been named that. Or, or, well, yeah. But we have to sort of question, you know, sort of all the salaries that the board members are getting value for money as well. And but I'm sure if that board member was here right now, he could, for instance, point at 47% commercial revenue compared to 14% in 2009-10. This is part of what the being fair to people process leads you to is to say you've got to put this sort of thing out. And I'm more than happy to point that out because I think that at times I think people can listen to us and feel as though you can get down on the club for X, Y, and Z. But sometimes you've got to point out what is positive and what is there. And there's a very, very good example of it. Okay, then this has been the Anfield Wrap in part one. In part three, we're going to come back to this and we're going to discuss it in reference to literally what you've got on the pitch and the opportunities. That, that are coming forward from there uh, but coming up in part two we've got the uh, the get into this award we've got Peter Guy and Yawusu don't go anywhere we're going to be talking about the finest Liverpool music The Anfield Wrap on City Talk 105.9
It's the Anfield Rap City Talk 105.9. We've just clarified with Peter Guy that there's no swearing, it's live. Well, that didn't work on Sean, did it? <laughs> it didn't. It didn't. <laughs> Especially about five seconds. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, here, but Peter, we've got Peter, we've got Yao Wusu as well. Peter runs the Get Into This Award. It's Liverpool's answer to the Mercury's. Yao was one of his judges. Uh, you've got a great many judges. We'll come on to that in a, in a minute, Peter. Uh, I want to talk first and foremost because we know um, we, we, we we know Paul quite well, uh, and he won it last year. Um, how much did it mean to Baltic Fleet last year to win to win to get into this award? Because it seemed to me to be a massive deal for them, and uh, what it led to as well. Yeah, I mean, I say every year that I think the artists would do as well as, or if not better, if well not better, but I think I think the award just reaffirms what people within music circles know about Liverpool music, really. Um, and I'd like to think it does give an extra little push, but I think artists like Baltic Fleet and many other of the nominees would do so on their own feet, but um, on their own feet. So it's just about sort of some somewhat recognition and all the rest of it, but I think Baltic Fleet would have done that irrespective of the, the win, really. I think it's. I, th- I thought it was a big deal, John. I mean, we 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 went to Norwich with them and all that sort of stuff, and there was genuine buzz around. My thoughts, and there was the Yoko Ono opportunity as well. I thought it was a massive opportunity for him, really, and it looks feels like he's grabbed it. Well, yeah, well, you, you do get cool opportunities. I mean, the Yoko Ono thing. I mean, I've sp- spoken to Pete about this before. I mean, it's obviously you know a great thing for the award and a great, a great thing to go and do. But I just think, I just think. The awards, like my favorite thing about the whole thing, is how the bands are really bought into it, and it feels. I mean, I am a Liverpool musician. It feels like kind of our award, really, and and Peter's done really well to create that because normally when awards come around, like bands kind of pretend they're not really that bothered, and sometimes they are, and sometimes they're not. Whereas this one, like bands do really, really want to be nominated and and kind of publicly celebrate and don't mind that they have been, and and it's a really boss night, and it's a just the night is a real great celebration. So I mean, it's it's credit to everyone involved that they've been able to kind of create that really because that's really hard to do to. to Creative award that is so so young, you know, it's only in its third year, isn't it? That like that everyone kind of feels part of, and everyone kind of feels like his ass. Yeah, I mean that's the big thing I take from it as well. John's right there. It's noticeable that the people who get nominated for this, the twelve nominees, will come on to in a second. But this year, they all seem, you know, people seem genuinely made up to be involved, to be nominated. It, it's no surprise though, because I suppose you you know the extra value that it gives you as an artist, because the people that um, Peter's assembled are all kind of the who's who locally, regionally and nationally, do you know what I mean? So it, it, it's that thing that you get in, as well as getting an award and, and you know the coverage that that comes, you also get to be seen by a lot of people that you, artists in Liverpool might not ordinarily have opportunity to be seen by. Uh, well, I mean, the strength of the judging panel this year, you've got the quietest editor, John Zoran, who could be the nicest man alive. Uh, you've got Six Music's Camilla Pia. You've got a Guardian's Jude Rogers. You've got the someone from XFM, uh, Mike Walsh. And you've got the uh, Enemy Radar editor, Matt Wilkinson, to name a few, Peter. I mean, you're pulling these together. You're getting them to Alan McGee as well, I think, isn't yeah, it, this year? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you've got the, these, are, these are big industry people for, for these bands to sort of to get themselves played in front of. But also, it's... It, and this is the key thing, I think. It's it's an it's an award that's about the nominees, not about the winner. And that's a real trick that you've pulled there. Normally, you know, awards it all becomes it's you know who won this, who won that. No one cares who came second. No one cares who came third. There's a collectivism about this, both with the artists to one another and across you know across the Liverpool board of you know this is a good thing. Yeah, I think it speaks volumes of the city. Really, um, there's no coherent thread or scene. I think that's been touched upon quite a lot of times, and that's what makes it most exciting. It doesn't seem like a transient thing that's going to go away it's not a fad and I think the best thing you you kind of allude to with the judging panel is that there's a real infectious sort of like good spirit among it not just the Merseyside lot the national lot really excited by it um 
John at the Quietus has just been a legend. He's almost like my skipper from afar. <laughs> he uh, he's pe- he's constantly saying what's going on, etc. Yeah. He's DJed at every of the actual awards at uh, Leaf, and he's going to come down to the Casimir again. He's bringing his good pal, fellow judge Simon Price. Uh, so I I just can't wait to see Simon's hair. To be honest, it's a uh, it's a thing of beauty in itself. <laughs> it's it's tell me about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's basically like uh, Keith Flint before Keith Flint. Um, okay. He wrote the Flock Manic of Seagulls. Ba- oh yeah, but we're talking like proper devil horns here. Okay. About six feet high. Amazing. Okay. <laughs> uh, you you're selling a Peter big time. Honestly, Look, he's a beautiful man. <laughs> it's, <laughs> I mean, this is uh, Mike. You know, the, the, I'm going to do the nominees in a second. I do feel like I'm almost trailing this now, but it's it's a strong, strong list. I think, and it's it shows the depth, just as it did last year, really. And it's it, it's great to get something that the city's music community can get behind. Do you know the funny thing? Pete actually starts fights with the with this list. You know, the, with the <laughs> judges. Because you're saying about the nominees, and I, I actually I was shocked. Um, Pete sent me a message today. They said, "Well, we need to meet up to talk about the winner." And I'm thinking, I've actually forgot that because we spent so much time <laughs> getting down to we you know, the final twelve. This year, like... we had nine meetings from the regional judges, and Craig from Bidolito missed his first meeting in three years, and it was like an event that Craig was not coming to a meeting. That's how much uh, it's taken seriously. And the last meeting to decide the twelve was in Leaf upstairs from half five till half eleven, and Revo basically was like, I'm getting my last train home, we're doing it now. <laughs> that was the thing, yeah, Pete, it's true, Pete decided to go, why don't we just wait till next why. time I have another meeting? <laughs> and it was like adamant that we, we, you know what I mean, we call it a day. It's a strong list, isn't it, Mike? Yeah, it is, and it's testament to the um, to the standard of the, of the music scene in Liverpool, to be honest with you, because that could easily be a national list, really, That, but it's all based out of this city, which is Pretty phenomenal. Okay, the business end and the nominees are as follows. It's all we are. Evie in Christ, Circa Waves, Outfit. They're your tip, aren't they, John? I think they're going to win, but what do I know? What do you know, indeed? Forest Swords, uh, Dan Kroll, East, ex-Easter Island Head, T-Street Bands, Bill Ryder-Jones, Veyu, Mad Brains, and Nine Tails. Got to be honest, Peter, I've not heard the last two. Uh, very quickly, what did they, any, any take? Well, just say Nine Tails were... were um performed two years ago were nominated two years ago weren't they and performed and were just brilliant I thought they were actually the best performance on the night yeah the thing ago. about Ninetales is that the first year they were a four piece and they were like clean foals math pop absolutely ready for the radio straight away but then over the last couple of years they've taken a step back they've lost their front man and just come back as this like unbelievable prog outfit signed to Talk Talk's manager's label the first record he's putting out for decades so that's an indication of just how much he believes in these three young men yeah, um, you know what are my brains like? I've made in my brains. Well, this is this is it's interesting because this is a hip hop thing, right? That Peter put me onto. Normally, <laughs> normally, <laughs> I'd like to say that when it comes to that kind of ilk, you know what I mean. I'd, but Pete, Pete brought out Cameron Toman's story is phenomenal. He's like um, this lad who was brought up in Widnes, moved to Liverpool, cut his teeth on the scene with the No Faking lads. Very young age, moves with the family to Barcelona then repositioned himself in London and he brought out a mixtape last year which is obviously the way in for a lot of uh, yeah. these young kids blending like Two Lone Swordsman, MF Doom, um, Mr Scruff and it's 35 minutes of lyrical brilliance. It is a phenomenon. I just can't recommend people check out that uh, mixtape called Zades. Uh, who, who do you like off the off the list, Mike? Who's, who, who catches your eye there? I'm, ex- I'm always excited by Evie and Christ. I like All We Are. Um, I like all we are. Yeah, I, I saw them recently supporting um, in in the in the O2 Warpaint, supporting Warpaint, and to be honest with you, I preferred them to Warpaint. They're a better band. They're a better band. 
Indeed, indeed. All right. So, John, who stands out for you apart from Outfit? Well, I just kind of tipped Outfit to win. I just, I've just got a sneaky right. suspicion they would. But, I, I mean, I love Bayou. You, um... you tipped Baltic Fleet last year, John. If, if, if the bookmakers are listening, you know what I mean? <laughs> Odds could be getting slashed everywhere. I just think that Outfit arm's incredible. And I think they absolutely smashed it. And I was I was kind of really pleased for them because, you know, there was there was, there was was a lot of kind of hype bringing up to it. And then it came out and it was even better than you than you wanted it to be. So, as in terms of who's produced the best piece of work in the last year, I would say it's Outfit. But I love Bayou. I love Circle Waves. They're more kind of my kind of thing. If you're like up my street, so um, so either of them two would have be fine with me as well. But I think I think Outfit have done more. Last week I tried to put last year I tried to put Peter and Yao on the spot, and they refused to uh, <laughs> go much beyond the fact that they very much like everybody on the shortlist. So I'm reluctant to do so again because I understand why they've got to they've got to try and keep the keep the powder dry. If I can ask a different question, then Peter, who are you looking forward to performing on the night? Shaq. A Shaq performing on the night? No. <laughs> 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 um, who am I? Lo- uh, <sighs> I probably X's to Ireland. I think visually, um, live, they're just an absolute phenomenon. They've been commissioned by the uh, Olympiad to perform. That's how unbelievable they are. Three lads yeah. bashing guitars yeah. with mallets. If it, it moves the it's litter. ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, who are you most looking forward to seeing? Wow. <laughs> who are you looking most forward to seeing? Are, we, invi- are we invited? <laughs> <laughs> ask, ask Pete he's the, man, he's the man with the gold the one I've the already puzzle. secured this John <laughs> <laughs> well now now I've actually just been slightly sold on my brains but before then I was actually uh, I was I was very much looking forward to seeing Evie in Christ yeah. and that's that's always that's, that's very much that's my a, sort that, of thing yeah someone's got to negotiate that deal to get him in the building though <laughs> sorry Al <laughs> uh, no pressure mate no pressure, no pressure. If, if you could make that happen I, that'd be fantastic I actually, saw, I actually saw an interview by Evie in the other weekend on Fact Magazine he said he's never been invited to play a gig in Liverpool so here's your invite Evie <laughs> Yeah. No pressure. Live on the radio. You can um, come to Dovey if you want. <laughs> John, now's not the time. You'll get into a battle. Uh, all right. Well, very, very quick. Then it's you know it's growing and growing, Peter. It's it's. I mean, I'll I'll say it again. You've also got the Inspiration Awards. You've got the One to Watch Award, which this year, by the way, looks ridiculously competitive. It's what it's. It's. I've, I haven't got the date in front of me. I presume you've it's got it. Friday the eleventh of April at the Casimir. Friday the eleventh of April at the Casimir, and this year, some of the general public can get in for the first time. Is that right? Well, yeah, but unfortunately, if you've not got your ticket already, it went in 20 minutes. But we might actually have a few more extra public tickets going on sale. That's dependent on the Casimir and lists and if the whole of the Anfield rap doesn't turn up. <laughs> I take every single one of them. Peter, thanks so much for coming in. Oh, it thank you. promises to be a great night, so I'll read the nominees again so you can check them out. All We Are, uh, Evian Christ, Circa Waves, Outfit, Forest Swords, Dan Kroll, uh, Two Years on the Bounty's been nominated, XD Easter Island Head, uh, T Street Band, Bill Ryder-Jones, Veyu, Mad Brains and Nine Tails. If you can't make the night itself, and as Peter said there, the places are limited, loads of these acts are playing Liverpool Sound City. Um, we've also announced this week that Jerome Cha- Champagne, the one Wonderfully named Jerome Champagne, who's going up against Seth Blatter to run FIFA. Uh, we'll be t- talking to James Corbett as a, de- as a delegate at the conference. Rick Paddy's also talking to Kev Sampson. There's loads of that sort of thing going on. Um, until Monday, delegate passes are through the Anfield wrap, only £80. That's all three-day wristbands. Sorry, that's for all three days. It gets you all the delegate stuff. It gets you everything that you need. Three-day wristbands at the moment are £65 anyway. And having done it last year, I can guarantee you that you can eat the difference of that £15 <laughs> if you know what you're about in those morning meetings um so you know you can get get you into all the events some other stuff you'll have access to some of what the anfield rap's doing you'll be able to see jerome champagne with james corbett there's also thurston moore who i'm ridiculously excited by there's john cale as well there's loads and the delegate
hella good stuff at Sound City's great. We did it we did it last year. Um, you know, you very much enjoy mooching around the place and it's nice to have that sort of wristband. So that's eighty pounds to get in. Um so if you want to do that at the moment, the Anfield Rap website or through the Twitter as well. Um okay then. Uh, what are we doing, John? We don't know yet, do we? Ah well. Uh we'll be back after this we're, with We're having a meeting on Monday. Are we having a meeting on Monday? Yeah. Go the judges' meetings Tuesday. Oh, you're just <laughs> there we are. Uh, it's all coming together. Uh, don't go anywhere. After this we'll be back with Brendan Rogers' tricky reds. The Anfield Rap on City Talk 105.9. It is the Anfield Rap City Talk 105.9. We're going to come back to some of what we discussed in part one with reference to the recruitment going forward and the low knees at Liverpool. But before we do that, I want to give a big shout out for the Irish Cops HJC Cup tournament on March the 22nd in Teller, Astro Park. Uh, it's followed by booze, food and music. That's a great, great triple. Uh, I don't care who you are. in the Cuckoo's Nest pub, uh, where they'll hold an auction and raffle for various prizes. Um, all the proceeds from it will be going to the, uh, to the HJC, and it'll be attended by Sheila Coleman this year. Uh, last year, they raised £700. Um, good on them. If anyone wants to go over, that sounds like it could be a cracking weekend, I think it's fair to say. I'm uh, tempted. <laughs> what got you, the booze, the music, or the food? <laughs> that was the same time as where we were in Bray last year? Um, I think so, yeah. I think that they, co- they coincided that last year. This year, they're turned up. The, yeah, this year, it's a little bit different. Um, okay, then. Uh, the next thing that we want to mention is, John? Yeah, the Liverpool Boys of In Town was a book that came out um, it was about 10 years ago. I think it was the first release. Then it's, it, they reprinted it uh, about five years ago, and now it's completely sold out in hardback, and then everyone thought that was that, but they've now decided they're going to release it. Well, they have released it, um, on the Kindle, it's out on Amazon. Uh, if you just go to the Liverpool Boys are in town dot com, um, you'll get all the links from there. It's a book about casual culture, basically about um, going the match in the eighties, but kind of based on the the clothing and how that all came about and how people kind of went away to Europe and, and styled themselves in that way and how Liverpool was kind of at the forefront, really, of kind of casual culture in terms of what people were meant to be. A fantastic book. I haven't read it because you know because it's hard to get hold of it, but I'll definitely be buying it. Excellent. And the other thing to mention is that the new Anfield App magazine is live. It is available now. You can download it on any one of your devices, especially on your uh, your iPad. But it's also available at app.theanfieldrap.com. So either go to Newsstand on iTunes if you if you're that way inclined and you want to get it as a tablet, or you can get it at uh, sorry at app.theanfieldrap.com. In there, I interview Jordan Rossiter, uh, interviewing footballers half your age could well go very very wrong indeed but this one went very very right uh thanks so much to jordan he was interesting he was intriguing to speak to him he had a load of insights to give us also his dad frank and everyone at umbro for that um it is out now if you want to get that there's also me interviewing timo from the t street band uh there's writing in there from lots and lots of people john can you remember what's in the magazine it feels like it all happened about three months ago and i interviewed ian brody he was good uh, i've done something with dominic dunn live i would have talked about in the in the last kind of insert and what else I Steve don't know. Graves on women's football that's good uh, Mike Nevin on Nottingham Forest that's terrific oh um, Ian, Ian McIntosh has done something written some brilliant as well about um, how Premier League teams shouldn't be allowed um, another another team in lower leagues and he's very convincing he, and basically calls you all all sorts if, you, if you've if you <laughs> ever dreamed of suggesting it if you've ever had that thought uh, brilliant work on getting it out by Ian Maloney and Gareth Roberts so fair play to them so that is out now uh, please please load in there on that sort of stuff so part one gentlemen we were talking about what were we talking about we were talking about sort of where where the club is now if you've if you got the FFP spectre sort of there but not there you've got the opportunity in the way, way just to turn over it there but not there Andy I mean last week we discussed the low knees what this sort of shows to us is the sort of the holistic nature of what's required in terms of what Liverpool are going to need to do in the next transfer window in the, the time to come there's those players to come back it's what strikes me about all this is the club doesn't really need to buy squad players now. 
it's sort of managed to, in the same time as it's rationalised itself financially, it's almost rationalised the whole idea of the squad. We've got the players that are there now, you've got the young lads to come back, you've got the players who are coming through. It basically is either buying young future prospects or buying for the first team. I think you're right and wrong with that. I think we, we do have players to come back which are exciting. I mean, uh, Suso, for example, showed great promise and you know, sort of tailed off a little bit and sent him out on loan. Obviously, Barini's been doing reasonably well over at Sunderland as well and he's still to come back. But at the same time, you know, we're, we're talking about the figures early and without going back into it, you know, they're still on the balance sheet at the moment. So say, for example, you know, we, we put them in the shop window on loan. They are playing in the Premier League or whatever league that they're in at the time. Then, you know, it's an opportunity either. If they, if they perform how we want and fit into the system that Brendan Rodgers wants to play, we can bring them back in. But if not, you know, we can always get rid of them and, and buy extra players in. I think that the, the, what I think is interesting, Mike, is it's a tough side to come into now. Certainly, in those front five positions—it's a really tough team just to come in and hit the ground running. Yeah. You know, you've got to be—you've got to not just be technically very strong. You've got to be very, very quick as well. You've not just got to be very, very quick. You've got to be technically very strong. It's—it's it's, therefore then I'm, you know there's a class of player that you've got to be going for. I think now. I agree, especially in the front five positions. You could make arguments to say fullback and 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 defence maybe, and further back you could buy more players maybe thicken out a bit especially depending on what happens with Glenn Johnson who's publicly said he doesn't know what's going on with his future but um, certainly there's probably one position up for grabs at the moment in that front five you know and that's and, and the only way in which you, you know that that kicks itself along, John. You know the only way that that sort of thing kicks itself along is by by buying genuine quality and having genuine quality off the bench. We saw the difference Sterling made uh, last week. You know it's it's a big one, isn't it? I think if 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 the football club's now able to say we've got ourselves here, then we can now do this. And that sort of if you want to say that can be the positive spin on those figures. It can't. I don't think it showed in January. They they had no real interest in just getting someone in. You know, we could have got a, even a Kim Calcium on loan or something. They, they didn't really have any interest in doing that. Seemingly, they were like, "No, we're going to get this this guy in who who you know there was there was two forwards who were like real first team players. You know, who played Champions League, who you know were a real sort of top level. And it was like we want one of them. And if it didn't happen, then then they weren't too bothered. And I think that'll be out in the attitude in the summer as well. I mean, we'll have more time, so hopefully we'll get more more I, bodies in. But we can't get any less. But you know, <laughs> but but like we you know. But, but I think that's the attitude of the show and I think the young players really allows you to do that because what's really impressed me by all these young players how tactically switched on they are how confident they are and that, that's testament to loads and loads of people who've worked with them um, some probably more than others but we don't know but the point is that if you've got these players who you can throw in like Flanagan who can just come in and suddenly looks like he's played 50-60 games for Liverpool is that you know then you, then you can go well you know what if we need a guy for a few games we can rely on these guys so that we don't need to go out and, and get, get a journeyman or whatever and it allows you just to focus on quality. I think John's absolutely right. <laughs> Sorry, Mike. I enjoyed, the, I enjoyed the long pause of how like John was. I think he, was, he wasn't sure if I'd went, finished or not. Went on for a long time, but uh, no, I think you're absolutely right. But I think it also explains why Brendan Rodgers is FSG's man for the manager because he's clearly very good with young players. So, and I think what FSG and Rodgers are also trying to do. Is make make sure that the show's got to stop now, ladies and gentlemen. That's my phone, Mike. Sorry. The Anfield Wrap, brought to you by High Street Solicitors. Have your will drafted or amended for just forty nine pounds plus VAT. Call two zero three twelve sixty eight.